guys doing all right? Get ready. Fasten your seatbelts. Uh, we're going to go for a ride tonight. It's going to be a great ride. We're going to talk to you about ch how change equals. We've been in this series on Anchor 6, how to experience change. So we're going to continue on in our series uh, by talking how change equals taking authority. And so I just want you to just take a journey with me and imagine this. Imagine a man in a dark suit approached you one day and gave you a suitcase and said, whatever is in the suitcase is yours. You take the suitcase home and open it up, and you find a key with the words U.S. Treasury engraved in the key. The only other item in the suitcase is a note saying, this is your key. Use it as much as you need to and as many times as you like. Imagine that, a key from the U.S. Treasury. Use it for your pleasure. Use it when you get in trouble. The key is yours. And the letter closes by saying, you have been given full access. We've given you full access to the U.S. Treasury with all authority and power to come and go and utilize once again. Carolyn? Is Carolyn here? Okay. Uh, someone may want to get her to help out. Uh, thank you. The letter closes by saying, you have been given full access to the U.S. Treasury with all authority and power to come and go and, and utilize it, once again, the unlimited resources that we've given you. All the money that you'll ever need, it's yours. Just use the key whenever you want. The only thing we ask of you is that you never lose sight that the key is a gift. It is to be used with humility, gratefulness, and generosity towards others. Welcome to the kingdom of the U.S. Treasury. P.S., just in case if you're wondering, there are no strings attached. There is no catch. Just believe that the key is yours. And use it as many times as you need, as many times as you want. Now let me ask you this. If that happened to you, what would be your initial reaction? Uh, maybe. Thank you. I would say thank you. Some of you would say, well, this can't be true. It's got to be a catch. Well, I don't deserve it. Maybe it's a trap. If I try and show up to the U.S. Treasury, they'll never let me in because they've got that place heavily guarded. How could everything in that kingdom of a place be mine? Who in their right mind would give me a key like that? And here's the famous phrase that all of us have said at some point or many times in our lives when we've watched an infomercial on TV or something. It's too good to be true, right? And sadly, most people have given the opportunity would never use the key given to them even though they have been given access, even though they have the keys to enter this kingdom of a place with special authority. Most would never take that leap of faith and believe that it's true. And as a result, never experience the riches and the inheritance given to them with no strings attached. Now, it is sad, but this fictional, obviously fictional scenario is a perfect example of how many followers of Jesus Christ think and act. It's said that most believers will never use the keys given to them that unlock the riches and the blessings of heaven. That's been made available to us here on earth before we get to heaven. And it's said that most believers live in defeat, getting ambushed by the enemy of their souls who, who is always out. Here's the enemy's job description. Steal, kill, and destroy. The father of lies, incapable of telling the truth. Most believers never know how to be an overcomer. Many never, ever walk in total victory. Most believers never know how to walk in authority, under authority, taking authority over the things in life that God has made possible through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. That's our calling. 
That's our inheritance. We're supposed to operate in the, in the authority that God has given us. Let me just explain this in simpler terms. Many of us are waiting on God to do something miraculous and great when God has either spoken on the matter or has instructed us to do something about it. Or hopefully God will do this for me someday. Hopefully I'll get healed of this someday. Hopefully I'll overcome this someday. Hopefully God will set me free someday. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And many of us live in spiritual defeat, never knowing what our responsibility is regarding spiritual attacks. And God has given us an instructional manual that tells us specifically what we're supposed to be doing in many areas of our lives. Many of us never know the power and authority and the actual keys given to us to live in victory this side of heaven. Jesus was walking with his disciples one day and they were asking him questions. Jesus was asking him important questions. He's saying, who, who do people say I am? And they had all these different answers. Some say Elijah, some say the prophet Jeremiah. And then Jesus turns around, looks at them and says, who do you say I am? I love how he makes it personal. You know, those are the two most important questions you'll ever have to answer in life. Who is Jesus and who is he to you? Very important. And Peter, I love Peter. And Peter hits the nail on the head. He gets it right. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God, the living Christ. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, good answer. But that didn't come from you. That answer came from my Father in heaven. And then he turns to Peter. And then he says something really profound. And he looks at Peter and says, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Listen. Jesus looks at Peter and says something very important for us today. He's saying, Peter, with you, I'm going to build my, I'm going to start it with you. I'm going to build my church. And it's going to last forever. You know, you can look at what's going on in the world. I tell you what's going to outlast everything in this world, the church of Jesus Christ, God's church. Nothing, including hell, Hades, will overcome the church of Jesus Christ. Christ. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'm, I will give you, here it is, the scripture, this is in Matthew 16, 18 through 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's telling this to Peter. He's telling us tonight, because we are the church. Church is not brick and mortar. We are the church. And he's saying, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm going to give you these keys. And you're going to be able to bind and you're going to be able to loose. And whatever you loose and whatever you bind here on earth, you'll have jurisdiction in heaven. It's going to be done in heaven. And I'm going to give you power. And I'm going to give you authority. And so in essence, what Jesus is saying is that if anything that's not from me comes against you, troubles, strongholds, addictions, warfare, spiritual attacks, I'm going to give you the power to bind those things in Jesus' name. You, not someone else, you. And I'm going to give you the power to loose my blessing on your life and to loose my Holy Spirit, to loose my goodness and greatness and all the help you need from heaven, you're going to be able to loose into certain situations in your life. Now, God wants us to operate in authority, under authority, taking authority over certain areas of our lives. Jesus placed the keys of the kingdom in the hands of the church, the followers of Jesus Christ. We not only have access to them, listen to me very carefully, we have the right to use them. We have the right to use them. Knowing this, 
Knowing this, the enemy and the powers of darkness, instead of attacking us, should be trembling in fear, thinking, oh, snap, Myra's praying again. Oh, no, what are they going to do to us today? Where are they going to kick us out today? Where are they going to take authority and dominion over us today? Where are they going to tell us in Jesus' name to leave today? Because when they tell us and they actually believe it, we have to go. Many of you may not know the authority and the power that you have. You see, the enemy no longer possesses keys of authority. Jesus restored the kingdom of God in our personal lives when he died on the cross. And we have the authority to use the keys to the kingdom, operating in kingdom principles. Never lose sight. Never, ever lose sight when you have this type of power. In your prayer, I'm talking about praying. Never lose sight that the key master is Jesus. And he always gives us direction through the Holy Spirit and his word on a daily, a moment, or day-by-day basis. And we'll always have the legal authority to execute his plans, provided we're always walking in humility, holiness, and obedience. And that's the key. And when our kingdom plans are in concert with his and our character lines up with his, the authority to affect change and advance the kingdom of heaven in our lives and all around us is what's going to happen. However, if you want to run and plan your own agenda, hoping God will bless it, then there's never going to be lasting fruit, effect, or change. You see, it's not our job to direct Jesus Because we're always looking to him to give us his throne room blueprints, kingdom blueprints. And as we submit and build his kingdom agenda, we're always going to be producing good fruit. We're always going to be effective. Therefore, as a result, we're always going to have the power to bind the enemy and his plans and loose the blessings and the peace of God in our circumstances. Now, I've had thousands of, I mean literally thousands of people come to my recovery ministry, like I said earlier, with the mindset that God will hopefully give them victory over their troubles, their strongholds, the spiritual warfare attacks that they'll face once they get serious about their, once they get serious about their faith. Have you noticed that when you get serious about your recovery or serious about God, trouble comes knocking at your front door? Have you noticed that? So let's talk about what God has to say about troubles, strongholds, and the spiritual attacks starting with trouble. Trouble. Anybody experience trouble in their lives? Got trouble? Got milk? You got trouble. How do you overcome trouble in our lives? Well, listen, we can't cover it all, but I want to concentrate on the things that God tells us to do tonight. Not what someone else needs to do, what you need to do. Go to James 5.13 in your New Testament, just a simple verse says this, James, is any of you in trouble? James 5.13, any of you in trouble? Watch this. He should pray. She should pray. Are you in trouble? The Bible says that person should pray. Right there. That's your first point right there. First and foremost, if any of you is in trouble, you, you, not someone else, you should pray. How long should I pray? When trouble starts, you're in a season of prayer, praying until trouble leaves. You pray every day, all day. You pray for a week. You pray for a month. You pray for a year. Whatever the season is that you're in trouble, you pray. We're supposed to pray. Is it wrong to get someone else to pray? No, but you have to pray first. And you lead the charge in prayer. It's our responsibility to pray. See, many of you walk in defeat Because you're using prayer as a last resort instead of a first response. Prayer always needs to be the first response instead of a last resort. You go to the phone instead of the throne. You got to go to the throne room of God first. You got to go to God. I'm in trouble. Look what it says in Psalm 50, 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. And you will honor me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Call me. Don't call Susie. Don't post something. 
Call me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. Who's going to deliver you? God's going to deliver you. Look what it says in Psalm 91. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in what? In trouble. And I will deliver him and honor him. That's God's word. He wants you to pray when you get in trouble. Now, there are two types of trouble. And God gives us, you a, path. God gives us a pathway to get out of trouble. You have to pray your way out of it. But there are two types of trouble. First of all, there's trouble that you get into for the bad decisions in your life. You're basically experiencing trouble for the sins in your life and the bad decisions that you make. That's, trouble's always going to come. You reap what you sow always later and greater. Some of you are experiencing trouble today because you've been, you've been sowing into that trouble for a long, long time. And many of you here now, you're sowing blessings, and they always come later and greater, and it's never too late to turn the tide, where you're reaping blessings later and greater. That's the wonderful thing about prayer. You can turn the tide like that. And then there's the other type of trouble. And then there's trouble for the good things that you do. There's troubles for walking with Jesus, following his commands, trying to be the best Christian you can, trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good husband, just trying to be a good person, trying to, trying to, trying to recover from the things in life. There's trouble the moment you accept Jesus Christ into your life. If your walk with God is real, and you've had a real salvation experience, you will experience trouble. And when you get into trouble, no matter where it comes from, whether it's for the bad things, bad decisions, or whether it's from doing good things now, I've learned to pray different types of prayers. I used to pray, God, get me out, get me out, get me out. But then I realized when I wasn't getting out, I had to change my prayer. And my prayer started changing because I wanted to know where the trouble was coming from. And then I started praying prayers like, God, what are you trying to accomplish in my life? What are you trying to do through this trouble? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to change in me? Here's a bold prayer. Lord, check my motives. What are my motives for asking you to deliver me in this situation? So you examine your life. It's a great recovery concept especially when you're going through trouble. Examine your life, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anything in your life that's not been confessed. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anyone in your life that you haven't forgiven so that the airways and pathway to God is clear and nothing is hindering your prayer life to God. You want to make sure that when you pray, He hears you. Nothing is blocking your prayers to a holy God. Now, when I would counsel people in trouble, I would always take them on this journey of self-evaluation. And then I would close the session by asking them if they have prayed first. And that's important. And if they haven't, I would ask them to pray for their situation. So I wouldn't go ahead of God's instructions for how he wants to get someone out of trouble. And I want them to use the key, which is prayer that has been given to them, that gives them full access to heaven. Once again, I want to stress that for everything I'm talking about tonight, you have to make sure that when you start going down this journey of praying, praying to get out of trouble, praying the strongholds over your mind, praying for spiritual battles in your life, you got to make sure that there is nothing, I mean nothing, blocking your prayers to a holy God. Let me explain what I'm saying. Let me stop, take time out, take a breather. Let me just say a couple things, that, some observations that I've made over the years. For some reason, for many people in recovery, 
there is this mindset that I have to do a certain amount of things in my recovery before I check the box of obedience off. I'm not ready to get to the obedience box yet. I want to do all these other things first. I want to get a sponsor. I want to get a group. I want to share my junk. I want to get on a step. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you do everything. You may even acknowledge your sins. You may even go to meetings. You may even get some accountability in your life. Although you rarely find someone to challenge, rebuke, and correct you and tell you when you're moving in the wrong direction, you typically will go from one person to another until you find someone that will agree with you or you'll find someone that's struggling with the same thing that you're struggling with. And in essence, all you've done is is you found an, an enabling partner, not an accountability partner. You found a codependent partner that will not challenge you in your sin. You may have even asked Jesus into your life, but for some reason, obedience is the last thing you embrace and practice. And what you don't understand is that partial obedience is still total rebellion to God. I was speaking to the leader who ran the Celebrate Recovery program at the LA Dream Center one day. And he told me, and I I quote, obedience is a process for those in recovery and someone needs to be working their recovery a long time before they start obeying God. And my answer was, why? That's dumb. They can start obeying God now and experience God's blessing and favor and power in their lives. They can start the first day they acknowledge who God is. They can start opening up this book and say, I'll do that. I'll change the the direction of my life. I will acknowledge my sin. I will turn from my sins. And I will turn to Jesus. You see, it's not a salvation experience unless you've done that. Unless you've truly repented. Not confessed. There's a difference between confession and repentance. Confession could be just a confession. You could even be sorry about your sins. But repentance means you're sorry enough to stop. You're sorry enough to turn in the other direction from your sins. See, one of the biggest problems in most of the churches, especially the mega churches in the United States, is that they're asking people to accept Jesus Christ, even asking them to be baptized. And so many have, are walking around thinking they've had a salvation experience. But they left out one critical part. Repentance. And walking away from their sins. And having their sins forgiven. By repenting and turning from their sins and turning to Jesus. They'll say, just accept Jesus. Just bump into Jesus. And everything will be great. And people are walking around thinking that they're saved, but they're separated from God. Because they heard a half-truth, or maybe a 90 or 95% truth, but not the whole truth and the full counsel that saves them and gives them access to God. This is the difference between just praying and praying with kingdom effectiveness, experiencing miraculous results. Now, I'm not talking about perfection here. But I want to share a couple of scriptures that validate what I'm saying. David prayed this in Psalm 66, verse 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my prayer. Book of Isaiah. This is God speaking. When you spread your hands out in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Come on now. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Here's something you should never, ever forget as a follower of Jesus. 
If there's ever a verse that you need to circle and remind yourself of it, especially those of you that are loaded down with guilt even now as I'm speaking, it's Romans 8.1. Therefore now, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God has declared you holy and righteous. Every time you ask God to forgive you of your sins, you're as clean as you'll ever be. But you have to confess those sins. You have to repent of those sins. You have to walk away from those sins. You cannot abuse the grace of God. God, Listen, you don't come to God based on what you do. You come to God in prayer based on what he's done for you. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace where we'll find mercy in our time of need. I need that verse. But I also need to be reminded that I'm covered by his grace. I'm washed by the blood. And that blood has provided a pathway for me to come to God in prayer and utilize everything that heaven has given me to operate in power and authority. That is good news. That is very good news. And I'm not talking about sins that, you know, you walk out, you get in your car, and you get on the five, and, you know, all you have to do is drive five miles in Valencia, and you're going to sin if you're on the five. Get to the four or five, you're going to have double sins, okay? I mean, you're just going to sin when you get on the highways out here in California, okay? I'm talking about, I'm talking about knowing sins that you know it's wrong. You know it's, you know it's wrong to go into that house with that person that you're not married to and have sex outside marriage. You know it's wrong. And yet you're still asking for God's blessing, but you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong for what you're going to watch on your computer tonight, yet you're still going to go and watch that on your computer. You know it's wrong to hate another brother or sister, yet you still hate them. You know it's wrong to walk around with unforgiveness in your heart, yet you do that. I, that these are the, this is what I'm talking about. Knowing that you know that it's a sin, but you still live with it, and you're still trying to ask for God's blessing. Number two. Here's how we pray for strongholds. Strongholds are huge. Everyone, everyone has experienced some type of stronghold in their life. Some strongholds are stronger than others. Behind every self-defeating thing that you will ever do is a lie that you believe. If you believe that lie, that lie will take root in your mind and that, and that lie will, will, will somehow... Maybe, maybe it's not a big lie. Maybe, maybe it's not wreaking havoc on your life today, but that lie can turn into a toehold, maybe a foothold, and then eventually a stronghold. And before you know it, that lie has led you down a pathway of destructive behaviors or feelings and emotions that have a stronghold on you. Addictions is a word not found in Scripture. Sobriety, not found in Scripture. Higher power, not found in Scripture. Strongholds are. And here's what the Bible has to say about strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we, us, you, do not wage war as the world. Well, God, can't you take care of this one? No. God says, I, I'm, I want you to take care of the strongholds in your life. I'm not going to pull your strongholds down for you. There's certain things that I do, but I want you to do as well too because I want you to operate in power. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We, everybody say we. Everybody say me. I demolish arguments and pretensions, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There is nothing in that passage that talks about what God will do for you. Everything in there is instructions for us. Ain't no sponsor can do that for you. Ain't no accountability partner can do that for you. 
It's something that we're instructed to do. We demolish arguments, pretensions, everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Because behind every self-defeating thing you'll ever do in your life is a lie that you believe, and the antidote to that lie is to take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ so you can walk in spiritual victory knowing what the truth is because you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's how you walk in victory. I went rogue. I don't know where I'm at. You're either... You're either pulling strongholds down in Jesus' name or strongholds are pulling you down in Satan's name. And strongholds will wreck your life. We learned early this year that a stronghold, great definition of a stronghold, is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable what is known to be against the will of God. And a great definition... We also learned that four strongholds that lead to most destructive behaviors, addictions and habits, hang-ups, all those things, stronghold of hopelessness. Well, we cover that in Anchor 2. Stronghold of guilt. We cover that in Anchor 5. Stronghold of self-help. We cover that in Anchor 1. Stronghold of insecurity. We cover that in Anchor 4. We cover all, we, all of our anchors Anchors of hope that we teach around here are designed to give you the power to pull down strongholds. You let any of those strongholds take root in your life, you're a goner. Hopelessness, guilt, self-help, that's playing God. Insecurity, you're a goner. But God's given you keys. God's given you power to pull those strongholds down. In Jesus' name. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. You know, they're there, there was great news today. There, there's plans to talk about the end of the Korean War. It's a historical event. And there's big negotiations going on between our president, our country, and North Korea and other countries around the world. And the big thing is they want them to uh, denuclear, I can't even say the word, they just want them to end all their nuclear weapons. Uh, I want you to know this. There's more power in your prayers than all the nuclear missiles in the entire universe. That's how much power you have in your prayers. And that's why I want to talk to you about the third, the way to pray when we get spiritually attacked. Anyone ever get spiritually attacked? Anyone ever experience warfare? Anyone ever experience spiritual opposition? You see, the devil is attacking the lives and causes of Christians. Hello? Satan is not targeting those who already belong to him. He's after those who want to defeat him. He's after those who walk with Jesus. And if we're going to fight this, if we're going to win this fight, if we're going to fight in this war, we better really recognize that there's a war going on. There really is. The devil has a deliberate, willful plan against your life. If you believe in a God who loves you, you better believe in a devil who hates you. He has a goal to destroy your body, your mind, your soul, or all three. You see, God has plans for you too. Devil has plans, God has plans. God's plans, God said, I know the plans I have for you. I know them. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me. This is how you get the plan. Then you will call upon me. What does that mean? And then you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What does all your heart mean? Just walking in obedience. It's not perfection. You're going to sin. But if you sin... You have an advocate. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I need that scripture every day. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back from captivity. 
You see, we're more apt to believe that plan instead of the devil's plans for our lives. I came across it the other day. Here's his plans. For Satan knows the plans he has for you, plans to hurt you, plans to give you a hopeless future filled with suffering and torment. Then you won't call upon God. Then you won't pray to God. Then you will never seek God with all your heart and you'll never be found by God and you'll stay in captivity. Which plan are you going to believe? Which plan are you going to live out? Now here's the deal. Some choose neither plan. And by doing that, they choose the devil's plan. Some choose Jeremiah 29, 11. They love quoting that. Oh, God knows the plans he has for me. Oh, that's a good plan. He's going to prosper me. Money down from heaven every day. But they forget verses 12 through 14. They forget the call, the pray, the seek him, the seek his face, the obedience thing. And the problem is that if you don't believe in, in the devil and his plans, you're living out the devil's plans by default by not choosing God's plan for your life. And then there are those, and this is why I'm so proud of you guys working in Counter, who go all in with God. This is an all-in ministry. We go all in with God and we live out God's plan for them following the Lord's instructions every step of the way, living a life free from captivity. Each side has plans. Each side has instructions. Which plan will you choose? As long as you're alive, as long as you have breath, the devil's out to destroy you. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against evil rulers of this dark world. The devil's real. He hates you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage, all your relationships. He wants to destroy your finances. And he would be very happy if he could get you to a place where you would even take your own life. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. You were born... And you were saved to win. You were created for victory. You were created as an overcomer. Because the Bible says that greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in this world. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in this world. Satan's not afraid of you. He is afraid of who is in you. He's not afraid of you. But once you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you've got dunamis power. You've got the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You've got the same power that defeated the enemy on the cross, that disarmed all the principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in Jesus' name. See, when God's spirit lives inside of you, it changes everything. That's why the Apostle Paul says we don't battle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. And if you don't combat this type of warfare strategically, it'll take you out and you'll just be another casualty of war because, you're ca because of your casual approach to prayer. This is a call for us to be prayer warriors, taking back ground, Operating in power, in authority, binding and loosing, evacuating, evicting the enemy from your premises. People used to call me all the time. Say, Bill, can you clean this house? And what, now I, I love cleaning houses. <laughs> I, if you want me to clean your house, I'll clean your house. Ex Carolyn, I do a great job of cleaning the house. But people will call me to spiritually clean their house if they move into a new home. Where I would just pray God's blessing and favor and protection over the home, and I would evict any unclean spirits that have lived there before that nobody knows about. Because we battle not against flesh and blood. We don't know who, what, how, who was in that place. I remember doing it for a friend of mine, and I cleansed the whole house, cleaned the whole, and I declared that no unclean thing, no evil or vile thing would ever walk through these doors or be in this home ever again. But in the hallway, I saw a picture of Bill and Hillary Clinton 
on the, door, on the wall, and I said, listen, I just pray for evil, unclean spirit. You've got to take this picture down. You've got to take it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah, I did. I actually did say that. Okay. Warfare praying is believing you have the authority in Christ to exact judgment on the enemy of your soul and to really experience in life what no weapon formed against you will prosper means. To pray for God to dispatch warring angels on your behalf, to do battle on your behalf, to walk in spiritual victory all the time. It's not, it's power praying, fighting from a place of victory, not for victory. You have to understand that. You have to know that you, you're fighting from the place of victory, in the authority, under the authority, taking authority in Jesus' name. All because of what he's done for us. Again, if you look at Ephesians, the battle plan, get dressed daily for battle. You have to put on the armor of God, like it says in Ephesians 6. Sorry, we're going over. We'll wrap up in a couple minutes. It says this. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Who's going to put? God's not going to put on the armor for you. Your bestie, your BFF's not going to put on your armor for you. You have to put on the armor for you. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. All the, and after you've done all that, Pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions for all the saints everywhere. In other words, turn into a prayer fool, a prayer maniac. Wherever you go, you want to be known as a person of prayer. A lot of prayer, a lot of power. A lot of prayer, you're taking back ground. This is how you fight your battles. And then to close our night, we're going to go to Revelation 12. I'm going to share something with you that I've learned to pray throughout the years. Revelation 12 says this. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. And then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. I love this. I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. It has come at last. Well, what's come at last? Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Don't miss those things. We're going to go over them in just a second. Salvation, power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before God day and night. Anyone hear an accusing voice every now and then? But they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony and that they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. But you need these four things established in your life before you can defeat the enemy with that three-point plan. Here are the four things. Salvation. Everything starts with redemption. You have to have a real salvation experience. Salvation has come. Salvation has come. When we ask Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of our sins, the Lord, our Lord and Savior, not just Savior, but Lord of our lives, salvation has come. When salvation gets established, you inherit power, resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that will quicken you. Jesus said, the things I did, you will do, but even greater. Third thing, you inherit the kingdom of God. If you study the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus spoke in parables all the time. Especially in those three books. He spoke in parables all the time. And every parable was prefaced by this. 
Let me explain what the kingdom of God looks like. Let me explain to you what the kingdom of heaven is. And he would explain it in parables because he was always explaining the kingdom of God. And then Jesus said this in Luke 17, 20. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. He said, where is this kingdom? They they asked. Jesus said, it's within you. It's near you. It's within you. It lives inside of you. When you have the Holy One of the universe, the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, the kingdom of God lives inside of you. You need salvation. You inherit power. You inherit the kingdom, which means you can operate under kingdom principles. Taking authority. And the authority was the last thing that you inherit. You walk in authority, under authority, taking authority. You have to have those things established in your life so that you can defeat the enemy by three things. The blood. What does that mean? Isn't that disgusting? I mean, some of you guys, you, you know, you're into these video games and there's just blood everywhere. And what does that mean, the blood? It, you know, it means this. Here's what this means. It means the blood that was shed on the cross for you not only forgave all your sins, but it gives you power. There's power in the blood. It gives you power. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a concept tonight that maybe you've never thought about doing ever in your life. From the first week that I got saved over 20 years ago, I will tell you that me and my wife have prayed the blood of Jesus over our lives and our family every single day. Because the blood is available to us today. And I want to present to you in this passage of Scripture that everything in, in how we overcome the enemy is done in the atmosphere of prayer. So how do we apply the blood of Jesus to us in prayer Well, we pray the blood over us for protection. We pray for it for power. We pray for that blood to defeat the enemy. When I'm in a real battle with the enemy, I will apply the blood of Jesus, and if Satan's coming at me, I will tell Satan that you cannot touch me because between you and me is the blood of Jesus that defeated you on the cross, so back off and get off in Jesus' name. And he has to go. Because that blood already defeated him. And it's a powerful thing to pray over your life, over your family, over your loved ones, and over, any, over a sick person. It's a powerful thing to pray. The blood. You need to be praying the blood over your life. Number two, your testimony. Now those of us in recovery, when we hear testimony, we think of someone sharing their story. We think of someone sharing their their, their whole story, but this is, again, praying. Whatever comes out of your, what is coming out of your mouth? Because there's power in your words. And are you taking authority in your prayer? Are you, bind, I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Get off my property. Get off my family. Get off my mind. Get away from my heart. Get away from my house. You don't belong here. You're not allowed here. I command you to leave with all your demons. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You have to take authority. He's pulling all the stops to get at you. You've got to walk in authority. And bind and loose everything from the kingdom of God over your life. And the third thing there is when it talks about and they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die, is your assurance of salvation. That's all that means, is to know that when you die, when you breathe your last breath, is to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. When you know that you know, when you have that what's called blessed assurance, that you know that all life is is preparation for eternity, this is not our home, Our home is in heaven where we're going to spend eternity forever and ever with those that have made the same decision to accept Jesus as well too. You're not afraid to die. And you have the fear of God surging through your veins, which means you don't ever want to let God down. And you walk in power. You see, God wants us to be kingdom-minded, kingdom-guided people. He wants us to walk in authority. It's all about, all about taking back ground. 
So I, let me just close with a couple of questions for you tonight. How much property and how much ground has the enemy stolen from your lives? How much have you allowed him to steal? And when, in Jesus' name, are you going to take that back? Because you've been given keys. You've been given authority to take those things back. You have authority in your prayer life to bind, to loose, to get out of trouble, to pull down strongholds, to apply the blood of Jesus, to speak words of life and authority and defeat the enemy in, in Jesus' name and win every single spiritual attack that will ever come against you in Jesus' name. And the question is, are you going to walk in victory or are you going to stay defeated? Are you going to take a message like this and say, oh, that was too deep for me. Maybe six months from now I'll start doing that because I haven't checked the box off of obedience yet. And I've found in my life that things work better when they're plugged in. They really do. Everything works better when things are plugged in. TVs, toasters, vacuum cleaners. But when I'm plugged into God, totally submitted to his purposes and plans, his power gets activated in my life. And nothing in all creation can stop the plan of God for my life, my ministry, my family, and for the people that I love like you. Nothing in all creation. What's keeping you from walking in victory? If you need prayer tonight, if you want to experience salvation, that you've never experienced salvation, so that you can have power, so that you can experience the kingdom of heaven in your life, operating under kingdom principles, and have authority and walk in authority. We're going to worship again. And as they start singing, you just come forward. Maybe you've, maybe you've accepted Jesus, but you've never really repented of your sins. You want to make sure tonight that you've had a real salvation experience. Maybe the enemy's had a heyday on you. And you have been praying, but now you just need someone to pray with and for you, to pray in agreement. Maybe you got someone that's holding on for dear life, like my dear friend Vicky that's watching from Illinois. My mom's in hospice and just said, pray for me. And we pray for her tonight. We will pray. And she knows I'll pray for her. I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for spiritual victory for your life. I want to pray for salvation. I want to pray for power. I want to pray for the kingdom, and I want to pray that you have authority. I want to make sure those things are established in your life so that you can have victory in every area of your life, and nothing in all creation will stop you and the plan of God in your life this side of heaven. Amen? Come forward as we worship. Come forward.